Everything is about to change. If you've been watching the news, you know that interest rates are likely to rise several times in 2022. That means the time to sell your home is now. Buyers want to buy before rates go up, so they're highly, highly motivated. And if you're holding out because you can't find a place to move to next, well, Christendal Real Estate has the perfect solution to help you. It's their guaranteed offer program. Guaranteed offer means you can sell now while your equity is high, then pick your closing dates so you have more time to buy while interest rates are at historic lows. Bottom line, when interest rates rise, selling opportunities fade. Now is the perfect time to sell your current home and find your next one, but the window is closed closing fast. By this time next year, don't regret sitting on the sidelines while others perfectly time the real estate market. Act now and take advantage of this unique and once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Join thousands of other homeowners who have already received a guaranteed offer by christendahl.com today. That's christendahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Some terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you live from Tuttle's in front of a studio audience. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming. It's your little energy. Let people know that we're not fibbing, that there really are people <laughs> here. Um, a very hearty welcome to our newest sponsor, Royal Credit Union. And uh, coincidentally, Anthony, I, I bought a new car a couple of weeks ago, and Royal Credit Union did my loan. So, uh, so far, all How is they good. They're, 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 they're accepting my money, so uh, that's pretty good. Um, and awesome to deal with, um, and set up my account, and everything's being uh, being withdrawn properly. Nice. Yep. So thanks to Royal uh, Credit Union. April twenty fifth will be our next time that we're out here at Tuttle's. Uh, thanks to all our sponsors as well. Big week for Anthony and myself, not just because uh, we, we oh, actually you're not going to Dallas and San Luis. No, on national TV. So it's uh. our last two games we lose for the year on this trip. Yep. Hopefully, um, you, you might. Well, well, let's see if they go on a long playoff run. You well, we'll but the first round actually this year we've found out that we have the rights to all games. Oh, that's great. So we won't lose any there, and then once you get to the second round, we know they all go away. But. That's life in the world of a local TV guy. Yeah. So you, if you are an avid listener to this podcast, you know that for years we have talked about the Donkey Hockey League. The Donkey Hockey League is an anti-Lapanta creation. There's about 12 of us in it. The collective bargaining agreement was actually written by Anthony, not collectively with any of us. It's all been skewed to get you the championship every year or your kids. And uh, this year... Going into the final two weeks of the season in the championship match is, who do you think? It's the Scribes and the Panthers going head-to-head. So for the next three weeks, we'll have some bragging rights on the line. It's a two-out-of-three series, starting with games tonight. Yep, I'm already down. Uh, Josh Morrissey was minus one. I got Josh Morrissey. You should mention that, number one, the collective bargaining agreement was written, but it was approved by all owners before (laughs) we started. Well, it's like anything. I don't read the fine print. right. And the, uh, the, it has not exactly been skewed to the Panthers, although we have won a couple times. <laughs> this is the Scribes' first trip ever to the finals, so it's a, it's a big deal for him. It's, that's why we're talking about it. 
No we'll see what about happens. It. What do you think the chances of me winning? Do you think there's any way you've you've probably uh, spent a lot more time looking? No, at No, actually, this. I well, your team was as probably as good or better than mine during the regular season. We'll see. This was not expected to be a year that my team was in the final, but we're there. There's four out of six years we've been in the finals. Great. My kids went the other two. Winnipeg's up 2-1, and I got no points from Morrissey or, or uh Yeah, or so Connor. if Michael gets distracted during tonight's show because he's watching a game on TV, you'll know why. Lucky for you, there's only one game tonight. Right, so I'm not and, gonna be distracted and I don't have a player minute. in this game. Yeah, uh, so there's, there you go. I'm going to already wind up on the eight ball because I got, I got all these... Uh, all these players getting minuses in this game already. Um, so, Anthony, uh, Wild, uh, you know, a little hiccup at the end of the road trip, uh, but started great uh, with wins over Carolina and Washington back-to-back. Then they go to Nashville. The penalty kill, not very good. Uh, then go, they go to St. Louis. They're, they're really, you know, slow start, but playing great in St. Louis, wind up uh, building a two-goal lead. Then one probably suspect goal turned the whole game around. They wound up losing in overtime, but they rebound last night against the LA Kings. Um, what do you think so far of the, the way that this team has been playing the last couple? Yeah, the Nashville game, I think, was in the, the score was a little deceptive because I actually thought they played pretty well in that game other than the special teams. I thought they just got distracted by all the physical stuff, and I get it. They had lost twice. They and the Predators came into that game ready to send a message to a team they thought they might see in the first round of the playoffs. And I just thought all of that stuff, the four fights, the physical play, the chippiness, got in the way of Minnesota going down there to just play hockey. And special teams were a problem, and it has been a problem for a lot of Nashville's opponents. That power play is legit. Yeah. Essentially, four power play goals. They scored three and then a fourth one right as a wild player stepped out of the penalty box. And if you take away the power play goals, Minnesota was the better team five on five. Special teams are a part of the game. I get that. But that night, it was all about it, and it created separation. I thought they played really well in St. Louis. And to, if you had said when the trip started, you're going to get five out of eight with back-to-back games in Carolina and Washington, meaning five out of eight points, maybe you'd have said, yeah, I would take that. But once you win the first couple, then you get greedy. And mm-hmm. it, I think the bigger concern would be is just how they match up with St. Louis and Nashville has not been great. They've lost all five games head-to-head against them. One of them was in three-on-three overtime, which you won't see in the playoffs. But you know they're very different teams. Nashville's a bigger, heavier, sturdier team. St. Louis a little more speed and skill. But the fact that they haven't had a lot of luck against those two would be mildly concerning. We'll see. They get St. Louis again this week. Nashville's a fascinating team because I think that if you even ask people inside that organization, they're a little surprised with the way that they've been playing this year. You know, Johansson, Duchesne not coming off great seasons. And I think that they... Uh, you know, we're shocked that they've come out and played as well as they have. They've had, you know, they've been a little inconsistent too, except against the Wild when they play them. Although they gave up 40-something shots that game and Saros was unreal. St. Louis is fascinating to me because I look at them as being this beatable team. I think they're blue line suspect. I think their goaltending is suspect. And yet the Wild uh, this year, I know you could throw away the winter classic, uh, you know, for good reason. But then the other night to blow that game, I think it's disappointing because I do think that they're, this game now on Saturday, nationally televised on ABC, I, I just feel like you've got to figure out a way. What difference does it make if it's on national TV? What's that? What difference does it make if it's I'm on national saying, TV? I'm just saying, 2 o'clock game, I think that you have to come out 
and and games exercise don't really happen if they're not on Valley Sports North. That's true. That's true. I always say that if uh, all the beat writers say that that like the Wild won if they lost, they just won, and nobody could say otherwise, right? But anyway, but uh, you know, I just uh, like don't you feel like they've got to exercise some demons? You're, it's a ninety five percent chance you're playing them in the playoffs. Right. And that's I think what I was saying win. is I, uh, there's a little bit of you just you don't wouldn't want to go into a playoff series even with home ice advantage knowing that you had gone over three against the opponent during the year, and it starts all over and. If they do happen to lose, you know they'll all be saying it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. But somewhere in the back of their mind, it would be bothering them, especially then let's Absolutely. say you go into the playoff series and you drop game one where now you start to think about it a little bit. And as we well know, the series between the Wild and the Blues have each time have gone to the underdog, once when it was Minnesota, once when it was St. Louis. So these teams have had some interesting matchups in the past, but this is a very different St. Louis team. They are not the big, heavy, physical team that they were when the Wild faced them the last two times in the playoffs. This is a smaller, speed-and-skill-type forward group. The back end has a little bit more size, but not a ton. It's a very different St. Louis club. Yeah, and they're 11-1-1 now in the last 13 against the Wild, Wild 2-7-4 against them. Um, special teams has been an issue. Um, there's no doubt about it. Uh, their power play gives up a shorty the other night against the L.A. Kings. Um, their penalty kill lately, just bleeding goals. Not even lately, right? It's been most of the year. They went, they went through a little stretch recently where they were really, really good, but not, not very good. And I, I can't figure out why, because they have guys on there that have a history of being great penalty killers, um, and they're just not getting it done. The penalty kill has been tough to figure out all year it, because it has been wildly inconsistent. The power play, I still keep looking at it and saying that they've got – too much skill to not be a dangerous power play and that it'll be there when they need it. It was the other night. The power play came through in a big way against Los Angeles. Even after they had given up the shorthanded goal, the power play goal really, I felt, turned that game their way. And the league power play numbers are so high right now that they still sit what is it, 18th, I think, in the league. Yeah. But they're about 20%, which if you're around 20%... Years ago, that'd playoffs, be elite. You're fine. Exactly. Yeah. And that's my point, is that they're at 20%. 20% is good enough in the postseason. It's just that during this particular regular season, there are teams that are scoring at a higher clip. I'm, wor- I'm working on this, uh, uh, this really big story for next week in The Athletic, just on the increase in scoring in the league. And it is, un- it is like historic... Uh, the increase in goals per game in the NHL is like 30 years high. Um, save percentages, 30 years low. Number of you know potential 50 goal scorers, 40 goal scorers, 30 goal scorers, point per game guys. It's unbelievable. Um, I talked to a bunch of GMs about it down in uh, Florida a couple weeks ago. I'm talking to Zegers on the phone, getting Drysdale tomorrow, uh, Flurry tomorrow. This should be a really good story, but it's just fascinating how in a league that really um, it has nothing to do with the power play in the league where years ago it was so Although tough. Although the to power score. play numbers are yeah. up, um, but this is they're e- the even strength numbers right now are just are, it's they're crazy. High, yeah. I was just. Do you have any for, like, we, opinion about why this is? Well, I think they've been trying to create this. So even if it's not power plays, they've taken away some of the ways teams used to defend by calling penalties in those spots. So teams, I think the smaller goaltending equipment might have a minor effect on that. And then I also think you've got rosters that are filled by younger players. 
And the That's reason the hypothesis why, that I'm working on. I think the reason why that is is instead of having a fourth line that is three veteran guys who play the game maybe at a slower pace, but certainly play the game with a, this is what a fourth line is supposed to be. We're responsible. We take care of the puck in our own zone. As opposed to now, a lot of teams have some young speed and skill that might be a little more irresponsible with the puck. And you see teams that have, you see games turn more because when those guys are on the ice more, they're just not as disciplined defensively. So you've got probably two or three guys on each roster because teams have to have those younger players because of the, salary cap constraints that most teams are under right now. We just had a, we had a graphic. I was looking for it. I can't find it. In one of the recent games where we broke down a number of statistics and what the, when the last time was that the league was this high. And it was 30 years yeah, I got for it. even strength goals. It was, I think it was 15 years for overall goals per game. It's crazy how long it's been since the teams have scored at this rate. And that was we talked about it a lot on the broadcast that particular evening about why and the best the, all the little things I think add up to part of it and I really think the single biggest factor might just be the youth of the rosters. Yeah, um, we just saw Roman Yossi. Um, you know, you always talk joke or, or the the term in hockey is quarterbacking a power play. He is like legitimately a quarterback back there. That that high tip from Johansson was like a it was like a quarterback throwing to a wide receiver. I mean, he aims that puck right at his blade. Um, you have Kale McCarr versus Roman Yossi right now, and a ballot in front of you. Who's the Norris? Roman Yossi. Yeah, see, that, I agree with it's you. It's not even close. Yeah. And we did a recent survey in the Athletic amongst our forty some odd writers, and McCarr won, right? Um, and I'm I'm of I'm of the opinion. I'll even Yossi's take it one step further. We were having this debate. We were sitting at home. I don't know if you remember the game about two three weeks ago. Calgary played Edmonton in a nine to five game. The only reason I bring that up is Vinny and I were sitting on the couch watching the game. Connor McDavid had two or three points in the game, and I think he was a minus four or minus five. And it started the conversation. If you were you could have anybody you want. You're, you're picking a roster for this year to win for one season. Salaries, contracts, youth, none of that stuff matters. Who would you want as the first player? And my argument was that Connor McDavid wouldn't be in my top five. And it, it led to the defensive discussions. He wouldn't. I'm not even sure he'd be in my top five forwards. I'd take Nathan McKinnon over him. I'd take Austin Matthews over him. But the debate then got to where would the defensemen start to come in and who would they be? And I, for one season, would take Roman Yossi and maybe even Victor Hedman before I pick Kale McCarr. And the reason is those guys are on the ice against the other team's best every single night. McCarr's not. Those guys are on the ice for every D-zone faceoff. McCarr's not. He's a generational offensive defenseman, and he's, he's good, above average, almost elite defensively. But he's not in the, at the level of Yossi or Hedman when it comes to preventing the other guys from scoring. And maybe part of it is the way the Avs use him. If, he, if asked to be in that spot, maybe he handles it. But right now they say we don't want him burning his energy defending the other team's biggest, heaviest line. We want his juice going the other direction to try to score. So maybe it's an unfair statement to make, but we watched Roman Yossi close up the other night. He's unreal. He's unbelievable, and he's he's just as good in his own zone as he is in the offensive zone. Yep, and he's the captain of the Scribes uh, going up against the uh, Burgundy Panthers this week. <laughs> um, I made him captain. Uh, I got O'Reilly. He's got Ryan O'Reilly. He's got an A on his sweater. Who should I give the other A to this week? Let's see. 
Oh, Ovi's on my team. Yeah, go ahead. Larkin, Kreider, Gensel. Did you listen to my Mike Gensel podcast today? No. So I did a Mike Gensel podcast, and at the end of the podcast, Mike Gensel made sure to point out that he was going to tell Jake this week to have two really, really strong weeks for me. Boy, I haven't had any conversations with fathers of any of my players, so I guess you're one step ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cam Talbot versus uh, Marc-Andre Fleury right now. I mean, both getting really, uh, you know, playing playing outstanding hockey. Again, I mentioned, you know, it's hard to pick on Cam, obviously, 9-0-2 in his last, what, 12 appearances. Um, 234 goals against, 918, I believe, save percentage. But that second goal the other night, tough. Then you have Marc-Andre Fleury, 4-1 with the Wild. Gets off to a rough start against the LA Kings and then just makes 29 saves in a row. Um, you know, I mean, he's a fun yeah, goalie he didn't to feel good about a couple of the yeah. goals he gave up no, either. Absolutely. I, I really thought two of the three that he gave and up he were said the ones that. he wanted to have You know what back. I like about him is that, you know, a lot of goalies, if it's a breakaway coming at you and you give up a goal, you're like, well, they gave up a breakaway. He, he comes out in the press conference and goes, I didn't like the save. Uh, you know, I should have made a save on the breakaway. And that, to me, is like that. That's that's the sign of a, of a real right. accountable goaltender. And Cam's been the same way since yeah. he's been here. It's been I think it's been one of the biggest reasons why all the guys have so much respect for him. I, I don't remember a game, and there have been some where it was worthy, where Talbot has come out and said anything other than it was his fault when the, yeah. when the Wild got beat. I've, it's a question I get asked probably as much as any about this team right now is who's going to be the goalie yeah. in the playoffs, and... There's, I think these next three weeks determine that, but I think you'll see both of them in the playoffs. I really do. I don't think this will be uh, he, he's our guy and we're going to play him for 22 or however many games in a row that you might play. And I think it's ride the hot guy. And if one guy starts game one and wins a couple but then yeah. has a tough night, the other guy will be in for, for game four. And I think these next three weeks will determine it. Whichever guy, if one guy steps up and is the hot hand going in, I think they go to him, and I think e I think either guy would support that. I don't think either one of these guys would be the type to pout on the bench. I think you'd see guys supporting each other and know that their name's likely going to be called at some point, especially if this playoff run is going to be anything like what the organization wants it to be, which is deeper than a round. I think you're going to see both guys in the playoffs. Makes sense. Uh, makes sense. Do you, do you think, though, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to handle it because I agree that you that with what you said that I think both guys support it. Do you think that's the right way to go about it, though? I mean, most, guy, most teams want to have your number one and just go with them and go with them, and then if things get hairy in a rubber match type game, you, you know, you come back. With yeah, the next I don't guy. think they'd go into the playoffs saying we're going to alternate guys. I'm saying the next yeah. three weeks will determine who gets game one. And if a guy is on a roll, he'll keep playing. But if he's got a tough night, maybe yeah, you go to the other bad. guy the next game. And because I think you now have two guys that on whom you can rely, two guys that you would trust that could win you games in the postseason. And I just don't think, I don't think it's very likely that, let's say the playoff run is anything. Let's say it's 15, 20 games. I don't think you see the same guy start all 20. Yeah. Let's talk about Jake the Snake Middleton. I remember uh, talking to you the morning of the trade deadline. I came in, and I, I had this feeling that the Wild were going after Middleton that day. And then they make the flurry trade, and I'm thinking, all right, well, then, you know, Kakinen's probably going back to Chicago. And next thing you know, it's, it's San Jose from Middleton. Uh, Middleton is no slouch. Like, I think a lot of people looked at him as, like, he's going to come here and play third pair of minutes. But this is somebody that, again, played top pair in San Jose next to real quality right-shot guys in Burns 
and uh, and and Carlson. You know, Jake was really really good last night talking about difference between playing with Spurgeon and and Burns and 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 Carlson. I don't know if you heard his quotes, but he went on and on about Carlson and Burns because they've been so so elite in their careers. They get a quote long long leash. Which meant like I better be the defensive guy in that line. Where he he just loves the simple way that Spurgeon plays, the smart way. Uh, Spurgeon was saying that that Jake Middleton asked a ton of questions about different scenarios, where he should be on draws and all this. And so far, they've been a seamless pair. I mean, they've this isn't great. just the last couple of games. This has been since they were put well, together. Right. Spurgeon's got nine points in nine games. Yeah. And I thought West Walls made an interesting analogy to it, or or the way he described it the other night is he said. I'm sure Jake Middleton is shocked every time he looks to his right and there's Jared Spurgeon. He's used to looking to his right and seeing nothing and having to look down the ice the other <laughs> way to see where Burns or Carlson had gone. And right now, I, I we've seen Middleton now jumping up in plays. Yeah. And where he never used to be able to do that. Yeah. I, I think he's an interesting guy in that he had only played 13 games in the NHL before this season. And he wasn't even an every night in the lineup guy in San Jose from start to finish. But Billy saw something in him, and I remember talking to Billy afterward, and, and I said, I, you know, I don't even really remember Middleton from when we played him earlier in the season. He said, no. He said, but when we started to look at things and his name came up as a possibility, he said, I watched the last two or three games before we pulled the trigger on the trade, and I like him a lot. Yeah. And, you know, he was right. I think he's... I think these last couple games, he's looked like he's just getting more and more comfortable. I thought the first couple, I walked away thinking, oh boy, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not agree, sure he yeah. can go into the he playoffs. He picks with him on his as, first shift as a wild right. player. And, it, and even though, even beyond that, I just thought he he didn't look like uh, the physical presence that I expected him to. He, he didn't seem to handle the puck real well. And maybe it was just the nerves of adjusting to a new team. Because I think the last three or four He's been really good. Yeah, I agree with you. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash royalchallenge, insured by NCUA. Spring is here, which means it's time for spring cleaning and home improvements. And there's nothing better than having amazing Connecticut water throughout your entire home. I got my whole home and Connecticut water treatment system installed, and it has made my life a lot easier the past few years. A Connecticut system uses significantly less salt than a standard electric, making the Connecticut system the world's most efficient water treatment system. Contact my friends over to Aquarius Home Services in Connecticut and ask for a free water analysis. One of their trusted water specialists will visit your home and provide quality options that make sense for you and your home. And if you get one of their systems, they also have maintenance plans. In fact, tomorrow, somebody is coming to my home to put salt in my water softener and change the filters in my osmosis system and all that cool stuff. So they're just a click away to AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. If you have a question, by the way, come on up. And again, remember, $3.50 uh, um, beer special right now if you get a tap, uh, Nordeast tap. And uh, make sure you get a raffle ticket as well. April 25th, the next time that we're back here at Tuttle's Counselor. So first a comment on the goalies. If you remember, in 03, yep, they went back and Fernandez forth. and Rollison went back and forth. 
Yeah. They were about equal goalies, yeah. and it worked well right. until... And they rode the one that was hot. and Exactly. And so they could I, do I the same thing. It worked well until Jaguar really worked. That so, was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, he was unreal. That was such a sad first game. If we'd yeah. beaten him in the first game, we would have gone on. Probably but in any event... I so remember question, that was the third game in four nights for the Wild Yeah, for game one there with a trip back and forth to Vancouver in there. I remember Jaguar, he looked like, a, he looked like the size of that television over there. And, and then that, after that, yeah. he couldn't stop a beach ball. Right. Yeah. Well, when they changed his pads and all that Yeah, stuff. exactly. So the question relates to Addison, and I don't know if we can infer anything about the fact that Addison hasn't moved up. Are they concerned about his defensive problems, or is it just they have so many D right now and they can't quite figure out what's going to happen for next year? Um, I, I do think that they, um, and this is, you know, this is conjecture, but I, I th- well, there's twofold here. One is, is I think they feel like right now this team wants to be bigger on the back end, and they feel like Jordy Ben supplies that. Um, you know, I, I, he's been a the quote good soldier. I know that doesn't make Wild fans happy, but there's something to that. If you, if, you know, you've had this guy he's practicing, he hasn't played in what 19 straight games. Now you call up the minor league guy and play over somebody that's a good teammate. I think that said, you know, I, I will say this. I know he was beat on the one goal the other night, but like. For most of that game, he played well for a guy that hadn't played in 20 games. And then I thought he was pretty good last night as well. So I think that's part of it. But I do think it is size. I think that that they look at at, at having him on their uh, – makes them a smaller team. He's not Jared Spurgeon. And he's not Matt Dumba. I mean, he's you know he's somebody that if he leans on you, really it doesn't – and you already have Goligoski, who is not the biggest guy in the world. That also, if you if you if has got to lean on you, it's not a lot happening is there as well. I think it has more to do with the first point you made that – Ben has been a great teammate. He's been here. He's been a big part of everything they've done. He was reliable earlier when they gave him a shot where, you know, he had a stretch where he played 23 out of 25 games when somebody was hurt. I think if they were looking at this saying, we think it's December and Matt Dumba's going to be out of the lineup for two months, they might make a different choice because you'd be looking at how are we going to replace more of the specific things he brings, a little more offense, a little more moving the puck from the back end. I think right now with where they are in the season, relatively comfortable that they're going to be in the playoffs, almost a certainty they're going to be a two or a three and not be a wild card. I think right now they're just looking at it as Jordy Ben's been a big part of this. We're going to play him. Now, if if it got exposed as a point of concern or a problem in the next couple of games, you could always adjust at that point. Right. You just get off the tennis court? Oh, no way. (laughs) Uh, I guess two parts here. One, do you think that this year has less practice time in general? And then how does that attribute to increased scoring? Is there a correlation? Actually, it's not a bad point. I mean, uh, that's actually a really good point. There's like they, no team. I was talking to a player about this a couple days ago from another team. They don't, nobody practices. And it's because it is a condensed schedule. I mean, that's actually a great point. Um, it's and and when you get to this point in the season, even when it's not condensed, it's like you barely practice. Dean had an interesting point yesterday where he said, "Down three nothing on the bench, he was literally kicking himself that he gave the guys the day off when he they really didn't have to um, after the game uh, in St. Louis." So, I think it's. I actually do think it's a, a good point, and Wes and I talked about this on the broadcast the other night when we were guessing about it because you can't coach skill, but you can coach defensive structure. So either a guy is blessed with the ability to skate and shoot and have great hands, whatever, that's going to, you don't teach that in practice. But what you do teach is who goes where when the puck goes over there in the corner. 
And the, the lack of practice doesn't have anything to do with people feeling like they don't need it. It's that the guys need rest to stay healthy. So look at, I think that's probably yeah. a big part of it. I mean, look at it, you know uh, the Wild, uh, who are usually really good in 3-3. Three and three. Look at the mistake that they made the other day. Those are veteran players that all made mistakes on that play. And I do think it's, it's, you're not, there's no reps anymore. Um, and, I, and you look at most of the goals given up, they're all stuff that usually happens because of poor structure or bad positioning, um, not being aggressive on penalty kills, all that type of stuff. So I think that's part of it. Um, the hypothesis that I got a lot from the GMs down there, and I'm, that's what I want to talk to Zegers, is that also, is, and they think it's just going to continue to get more and more skilled in this league, is that you have so many kids right now that are emulating the really skilled young players in the NHL, and it's just going to continue to to begin that cycle where they're they're you know these kids on their in their driveways are doing the Zegers, the Michigan or the play that they made they with are. Milano. But if you spend more time practicing that stuff, mm-hmm. then that's why the game gets looser as well. So I think right. it's a I think it's going to take teams winning playing that way because as you know, every sport it's a it's a copycat situation. Right. If a team wins playing a certain way, if a team wins cuz they're faster and more skilled than everybody and they try to win every game 6 to 4 and they win the cup, everybody'll try and play that way. But if teams continue to say once you get to the playoffs, we're going to be bigger, heavier, more disciplined in our own zone and they keep winning that way, the teams that decide to fill their fourth line with skilled young guys won't, that won't last very long. The, the other thing right now in this league is that there is no hitting in, in the center of the rink. I mean, you know, that's why it's like Dumba does it the other day and gets hurt. It's, it's so abnormal to see those open ice hits. Um, I was talking to Doug Armstrong down at, at, the, um, at the GM's meetings, and he says that he sits in the press box with Al McInnes, and like, well, they'll audibly gasp when one of their players goes through the middle of the ice, and all of a sudden everybody olays, and they take a deep breath, and they look at each other like, that guy would have gotten killed years ago. And we see that every night with Kaprizov. You know, Kaprizov does things with his head down in the neutral zone. Which years ago, if he was going against Scott Stevens or Darian Hatcher or Chris Pronger, Adios for two months. And I think we'll see that in the playoffs. Yeah. Because so, that's where all of a sudden guys are willing to step up yep. and make that hit because they're not worried about yep. taking themselves and off hopefully, the line. And hopefully Kaprizov remembers that because, like, look, last year I was just talking to, maybe it was you, Ken, before we started the show, is that, like, look, you know, the Wild are a really good team. They are going to shatter their team record in goals four. They have 620 goal scorers, maybe more, who knows. Um, but look, there, there are guys that last postseason did not perform that have something to prove this postseason. Kaprizov's one of them. He had a real disappointing first playoff with the Wild. And, you know, Fiala, I thought, created a ton of chances but didn't score. He, had, you know, he, he was great the year before, though, yeah. in Vancouver. No, no doubt about that. Uh, and in, yeah, in the, in the bubble. So, um, you know, that, that's part of it as well. So you have another question? Go for it. I wouldn't. I guess I had a question that popped in my head. I like Freddie Goudreau, especially his ratio of points to annual average value mm-hmm. for his contract. But I did notice kind of an annoying trait where he will spend 20 seconds in a penalty kill and he will actively not go in for a change. So yesterday in particular, uh, Kevin Fiala. Well, that was not Fiala. The last well, you're talking about the one last night. Well, it was an independent kill. Kevin yeah. Fiala takes it into the offensive zone. Kills about 20 seconds. Maybe he can do 30 seconds. But at the time, 
Freddie does not change, and then right. they get stuck in a defensive zone for the next yeah. minute. Well, but again, I mean, I, I, I know the player you're talking about. Freddie was trying to support him offensively, and then Kevin decided to aimlessly throw it back, and now they're trapped for two minutes. So, like, I, I don't exactly agree with you there. I get that you're like, he's following Kevin into the zone to support him offensively. He, I don't think he's expecting to Kevin just to rip it up the ice, you know, the other way. So I, 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 I get what you're saying. Um, I think that, you know, Freddie's a super smart hockey player. Um, you know, maybe what you're saying is true on other occasions. I think on that one, that's on Fiala. Well, there, there was another time, especially against Columbus, when it was four on four, where I actually saw him actively wave the guy back on the bench to sit down. Same thing, they got caught four on four and they gave up a goal. Okay. So I don't know if it's a trait that you guys noticed, not necessarily yeah. I mean, with really, him. I, and actually, I think they're changing on the penalty kill has been the least of their concern. I think they've had about yeah. 15 other problems on the kill. I think they've been a pretty responsible line-changing team for the most part this year, which has not been a strength for the last six or seven years around here. And I think this year, Dean Evison has really stressed it. In fact, he just terms it as selfishness. He says, if you stay on the ice too long, you're selfish because you're saying you're not trusting your teammate. And when you throw it in players' faces that way, a guy... I don't see too many guys arguing, saying, I'm going to stay on the ice. Yeah. So tie it back to the first question. Do you attribute that to lack of practice? Uh, maybe. Yeah, lack, maybe not necessarily practice, but sp time spent in the room watching film? No, yeah. they, they do that. The yeah. meeting time hasn't gotten shorter, but the practice time on the ice, there used to be some sessions where it would be a special teams practice, and it would be essentially live power play penalty kill with changes included. I don't remember a time I don't remember a time this year that I've seen them do that. They've had some special teams practices but not where they've had to focus on when to get off the ice when you're on the kill. Yeah. Um that play the other night in St. Louis with the icing was an interesting one. I, I talked to Dean after the press conference uh, still not happy about it. Um you know, he just said that Kazari immediately snapped when they tried to change the D. Um you know, it was a weird line. It was a weird icing, too, because Bukestad iced the puck within, like, a foot. So I think there was an initial change of defensemen, so there was confusion on the bench. But Kazari just snapping right. at the and bench normally the referee is going to go over and yeah. say, hey, you two are back on, yeah. not call he a penalty did it. immediately. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, you know, it's unreal the way that that happened. Um, the other thing that happened in that game was that, that overtime thing. And, I, you know, uh, uh, basically the mistake, it starts – you know, Dean basically alluded to three-on-three -three system mistake in the post game, and I was able to do some digging and to figure out exactly who was at fault on that. And essentially, it was a collective uh, fault. It started with Kaprizov. Um, he is taught. I mean, he stayed on too long on a shift, and then he is taught, like uh, the Wild try to do on their three-on-threes, is that if you're tired in your shift, just don't give up the puck, skate the puck out of the zone, go for, allow a line change. But he gave up possession. But then Kevin Fiala played it like a five-on-five five instead of a three-on-three. Three. He was basically forechecking at the offensive crease when he should have been back. That allowed them a free two-on-two two the other way. And then on that play, Galagoski is supposed to switch. If you look at the play, Goudreau starts to switch, realizes that Galagoski wasn't switching, then goes back. So it looks like Goudreau is the one that messed up because Thomas had all that space. But it was actually the only one on the ice there that was actually doing uh, the correct thing was, was uh, Freddie. So... You know, you look at Alex Tuck here when he moved down to Buffalo here. I mean, you know, he's, he's probably just their number one booster now. <laughs> so, now, have you got to think about the players here that before, you know, Billy had control here, if there's any one player that you want 
back here in the wild, like either it could be Granny, it could be you know Tuck, it could be um, Nino. Which one do you think that Billy would want here if he could? If undo? Billy had to choose, Coil. Coil? hundred percent. Yep, absolutely. And he's he's a thousand percent. He's uh, he's going to be a huge part of whatever success Boston has. He's turned yeah. into a. I mean, I shouldn't say turned into because I always kind of I liked his game here a lot, but he has turned into just a solid, sturdy NHL player. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, any other questions? Wanted to ask you about. Uh, yep, counselor. Might as well. Two questions. Though, I mean, you're coming to Europe. Um, so you you briefly touched on penalty kill problems, which has been huge for the Wild, and maybe the you know the lack of practice. Are there, is there anything else you can comment on as to why we have penalty kill problems? And then my le- next thing is, I know every time on Twitter when the Wild get a penalty, it's, oh, my God, what a terrible call, and why aren't they calling it on so-and-so? So I don't like to criticize refs. But is Kazari possibly the worst ref in the NHL? <laughs> um, it's, you know, I, I like to think, I like a lot of these guys. I know a lot of them. I'm actually doing a podcast with Tim Peel this week. Um, you know, I th- I, th- I personally think that he's got a issue with the Wild. Uh, you know, remember, he was the guy that, you know, Stahl, uh, he was staring right at Marcy, cross-checked Stahl in the face. Boudreaux went crazy. The team went crazy, called the league. The entire officiating crew was literally fired the next day in, in round one. And I just, I, I, I just feel like that's still in his head. Um, you know, that's just, uh, I don't know. The way he reacted to the play in St. Louis is, and I, I think the officiating, we talked about it. I think the show we were here with Wes and and Tim Laudner talked about officiating and because we talked about it in other sports as well. And I don't think any guy comes to the rink saying, I'm going to stick it to the Minnesota wild tonight. No doubt. But I think in the back of this guy's mind, he's got a short fuse when it comes. I mean, nobody calls that delay of game on icings that fast. Nobody does. I I cannot even convey to you active referees texted me. He's like, I would never call that. He goes, I don't know what was going on on the bench that made him snap, but like, it's a call that never, ever happens. I've never seen it. And I think the, the officiating in general, we've talked about it on this show, I know, a number of times. I hate talking about it, too. We tr- I really try not to talk about it when we're on the air because it's just there's nothing you can do about it. It's part of the game. He made the call, move on, and let's go. And, but the Wild are near the bottom of the league in playoff opportunity differential in spite of the fact that they're in the upper tier of the league in terms of puck possession and expected goals and all of that. And they're not the only ones. Carolina's right down there with them. And when we were in Carolina, I talked with some people down there that they can't figure it out either. They're, here's a team that has the biggest shot differential in the league. They've got the biggest shot Fast. attempt differential f- over the last five years by a huge margin, and yet they're minus in power play opportunity differential too. So it isn't just here, but there are definitely some times where I think when you have the puck all the time, all of a sudden one little trip gets called, and most of the time we'll walk back after a game and say, I don't think any one of the calls that were made, all of them were penalties. It was just that there were five other ones that could have been called. And I think the biggest thing that I've seen is that once a team is down or they're down a man, all of a sudden the rules change. The other night, Kevin Fiala, while on the power play, clearly gets tripped four feet from an official. But because it was already a power play, he wasn't willing to call the next one and make it a five-on-three. And, and I hate that. I hate when rules change because of game situations. The guy puts his stick in your skates and you trip, it's a trip. 
period. Call it. Yeah. Um, and to answer your first question, I mean, I just think that, you know, I, like the, the best penalty kills outwork the power plays. I think the Wild are a lot of times too passive. Almost every time they don't clear a puck, it winds up in the back of their net. Um, so, I, I, you know, there's a little karma there as well. It, like just, it, it just always inevitably, if you don't get it out, you know it's going to wind up in the back of your net. But the other thing, it starts with a face-off. I mean, they're the worst face-off team in the league on a penalty kill. And, um, you know, you can't just – it's like the same thing on the power play. You just can't start every power play in your own zone chasing the puck and wasting 25 seconds. And I think it's the same thing there. And lately Certainly we're seeing – factor. Yeah, and we're seeing all – lately we're seeing these shorthanded opportunities wind up in the back of their net within 15 seconds of a power play starting. And it usually starts with a – with a, with, a, with a lost face-off. I want to ask you about uh, Hart Trophy, Anthony. I mean, this is uh, going to be a tough vote as well. I mean, you got, you got Austin Matthews, which I think he's obviously number one, but I'm saying coming up with a top five. You know, you got Matthews, you have Kreider, you have um, Roman Yossi, you have Shesterkin, you have Huberto, you have Kaprizov, you have Johnny Hockey. Somebody probably in, in Colorado. Um, you know, I don't know if it would be McKinnon at this point. But, uh, but you know, it just feels like this is going to be one of those tough, tough votes to come out with the top five. Yeah, it was, I haven't really given it a lot of thought. But now that you mention it, I mean, Austin Matthews has to be maybe the favorite. But, boy, Huberto has been so good in Florida all year long, and they've had such an unbelievable year. Maybe this is a year that somebody – you know, Roman Yossi to me is – as valuable as any player on the ice to his team anywhere. You take Yossi away from Nashville, and yeah. I know that's not the criteria, but if you take him away from that club, they're nowhere close to where they are right now. Yeah, I didn't even mention McDavid and Dreisaitl, who are probably going to, unfortunately, they're probably They'll cancel each votes, other out. But they shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony's not a McDavid and Dreisaitl. Well, I mean, they, they got, you know, 100 <laughs> points, but you got a, a club that is, I mean, right now they're going to end up in the playoffs, but for a lot of the season, they were spinning their wheels. A coach got fired. I mean, that it's. I just don't think those guys are. They might win the scoring trophies, yeah. but I don't believe they're heart candidates. Yeah. The holidays have come and gone, and despite your best intentions, so has your motivation to lose weight. Trust me, I know. I've been there. But don't despair because my friends over at Profile have a solution for you. Profile makes losing weight easy. Designed by doctors to take the guesswork out of weight loss, Profile has helped thousands of people like me, and they can help you too. It's a great time to get started right now. They have awesome coaching, awesome food, awesome Profile food plans, and uh, they just lead you the way. It's just absolutely awesome. Visit ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities and launch your transformation today. Tell them that Russo sent you. That's ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities. Anytime you're going to have a great meal, you got to start with the best ingredients. And for that, I always go to Kowalski's Market. And right now they've got, as you head into the Easter season, the spring season, they've got a Berkshire ham that's just fantastic. Berkshire is known for its intermuscular marbling and tenderness and rich flavor. It's kind of to pork what Wagyu is to beef, and you know how much I like the Akaushi steaks there. So check it out. Check out the Berkshire ham. They smoke it over applewood to give it kind of a sweet and full flavor. You'll love it. Check out the Berkshire hams. They also have got a couple of cakes. I'm not a big cake guy, but they're excited about their strawberry cake and their spring joy cake, so check those out. Anytime you're going to have a great meal, you got to start with the great ingredients, so go to Kowalski's.
Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Jay? Jay's going to play JUCO next year uh, down in uh, where? It's not JUCO. It's uh, Division Two in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Where are you playing? <laughs> uh, Lane College. Okay. Um, nice. Since we're on the referee topic, um, I saw your tweet. I didn't see the start of the St. Louis game or the L.A. game, but I saw, I think it was Kazari called a Blues player for tripping and Bukesad for embellishment. I don't know yeah. how those two penalties coexist. Anthony? Well, I think they yeah. can coexist. They can coexist. There was a referee, Richard Trottier, once that did this to Dino Cicerelli, and Cicerelli went on this rant after the game. We were in Greensboro, and uh, he went on a rant on this exact subject about how he called him for diving, and he's like, you know, you can't have one or the other. He either called him for diving or tripping, but either way, he went on the rant. But you can have yep, you can. both. You but- can have both, because let's say a guy trips, but the guy makes it look like or, or a high sticking, or for example, and he does make contact with the visor, but then the guy acts like he's been shot. Well, that can be both, and and so. But I think that the diving stops if, if a yeah. couple referees start calling only the embellishment, and they say that's it. There was a little bit of peel. contact, but not enough. And you dove. We're calling just you. I I don't know how many there have been. I don't remember seeing one in a wild game since they started to ex- exaggerate the embellishment penalties. And the penalty that happened at the start of the game was Felino got called for tripping, and the replay showed that it wasn't a trip at all. I think it was Braden Shen tripped over his own feet, and they called just the trip. And, and then it, it became it, like a series of makeup calls. Right, and that which is another story. But the they can coexist, but I don't. They don't always have to coexist. And most of the time, because I believe right now most guys there's a fine if you're if you take embellishment penalties. But I don't think that's a deterrent. Most guys are thinking about the game and they're saying, if the worst thing that happens is we go four on four because I dive to make sure he gets the penalty. But if I don't get called for diving, we get a power play. It's worth it's worth trying to dive. And I wish they would just start calling embellishment only. I think it would go away in a hurry. Um, my other question, who do you think is going to get home ice between St. Louis and Minnesota? I think the Wild will end up with it. Right now they're, they've got the advantage with schedule. They've got the advantage with games at home. Wild have 7 out of 11 at home. The Blues have 7 out of 10 on the road. And, you know, so I think the schedule favors Minnesota, and they, they've got the upper hand in the standings right now with a game in hand. I think it'll be Minnesota, but it, I, I don't know that it matters a ton. I think it's going to be a heck of a series. If those See, I, I do think it matters, though. Like, I think it's going to be a long series. I think you want to make sure you have game well, seven. Well, it matters. Home. I just don't yeah. think it's a – there have been some times where if you're facing Colorado, home ice matters because that top line, you have to be able to get the grief line against them. I don't see it as quite Yeah, I see as what you're saying. That I'm talking more just like the, uh, to me, the fans have brought it this year, and uh, to have that behind you, 
I think is a different electricity than we've ever seen from wild no fans question. before. Um, but you're 100% right. Like Colorado, I mean, look at the one year the wild beat them in seven, right? 2-0 in Colorado. Colorado's up. Wild come back, make it 2-2. Right. They fall down 3-2. Yeah, the only road that, game, only yep, road game, game seven. Is game seven. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Paul? <laughs> you yep, know what's amazing? Uh, the hype man over there, in, in front of 18-5, he'll go on the Jumbotron and hype him up in the third period, but he, he won't ask a question on the mic. Oh, Durant. <laughs> Don't you think what? that hype man over there should be the hype man for the arena? They spend, well, he'd be they spend better than T-shirt guy. Yes, they spend like thousands on the T-shirt guy who like yells at a teacher on live on their Instagram. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's just uh, here's a guy that pays for season ticket holders for eight years, and he actually gets the crowd going crazy in the third period. Just a thought. Um, what else do you want to talk about, Anthony? I got nothing. You got nothing? Well, not really. I mean, I, I think it's – I'm excited. We're heading down the stretch with a team that's had a kind of magical year that we haven't seen before. I was just chatting with a, a guy I ran into at the coffee shop, and he was like – after they came from three down, he says, how many times – I said, look, this, is never ha- this never happens. You don't have 20 come from behind wins, eight of them by multiple goals. I mean, I just – I think there's – I'm so excited for the fan base. You mentioned the feeling in the arena. During this nine-game homestand, and it continued in last night's game, the lower bowl is like a third full for warm-ups during the regular season. It's been the way the fans have embraced the team has been so exciting that I just I cannot wait for this team to move into postseason. I know that you're not in touch with, like, you you don't – Pay attention to Twitter every second, like uh, some of us. Um, but I Almost was just, you know, look. I get that there was a lot of angst yesterday when they were down three nothing. But you should have seen these tweets that I was, I was getting. You know, like I, I just don't, I don't get sometimes the maniacal, like down one nothing. They're not making the playoffs. This guy's a joke. This guy needs to be kicked out of here. And it's like I get every fan base is like this, but it just, it feels like this one, the emotional roller coaster. Of the people that, especially the, like, there are, this team was on a run, and none of these people I saw on my Twitter account for 10 games, and the second that any adversity happens, they just, those people yeah, pop up again. I did see again. quite a few of them after Nashville beat them. None of this matters. Can't beat Nashville. Yeah. Going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Like, well. Yeah, don't I play mean, the game. I mean, like, you can still enjoy Nashville it. First, the other thing that I just think that fans don't get sometimes is that, all right, aren't you excited that you all showed up? Now we're just going to rip on you since you don't have any questions for us. But uh, the, uh, but don't you think, I mean, like, like I think sometimes fans just think that that this is it's like a game played on a computer and it's robotic. The like, team like, wins every time. Yeah, like, like look, uh, sometimes a bad goal happens. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes a, a team that's not as good as you yeah, yeah, beat yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's, it's sports. The Coyotes have some wins. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't just caught 0-82. I mean, yeah. they do beat somebody. Montreal yeah. beats somebody. It's, right, yeah. they beat the Avs twice. I mean, it, it happens. It's a, and there are nights where things just don't go your way, without a doubt, and I, this is just sit back, enjoy it, and even if Minnesota loses in the first round of the playoffs, it has been an unbelievably entertaining year, as maybe as entertaining as any season we've had here. So enjoy it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was well. That guy was just a troll. I decided to make an example of him, which I'm prone to do, Anthony. <laughs> All right, let's see who won a. Oh, I have. Camping chair. Oh, I have. I have a question. A question. Oh, nice. Okay. No, you're not eligible to win the I, camping chair. That's fine. I've, you got like five of them. So, yeah. <laughs> besides the Colorado, if you're Avalanche, listening at home, this is the Grain Belt. Yeah. Rep. 
besides the Avs, who has the biggest scumbag fan base? Scumbag fan base? I don't know. <laughs> Nobody. No, it's, it's an interesting question because we've, we've had this discussion when it they comes to They just have an unsophisticated fan right, base. But we haven't talked about it in terms of, you asked like this fan base, the one that loses their mind every time a team loses a game. And I don't, maybe it's the same everywhere. I had the conversation with some guys about goaltending because people used to always complain. The goal, wild goalie gives up more soft goals than anybody in the league. Yeah. And when you watch the same team play 82 games, you see every soft goal. When you only watch a team play four times, odds are pretty good you don't see one. So they never give up a soft one. Well, he does. It just happens. The people that watch him play 82 yeah. nights see them all. Well, so and, they see the warts. Yeah. They see the. I'm sure that if you went into a lot of these cities, go into any Canadian market and flip on the television because. If a team gives up two goals in a period, the, these guys talk about them like their defensemen should be out, taken out back and put out of their misery. I mean, it is crazy how maniacal they get when teams start to lose and the pressure that the, the players feel. We've had some guys who come here and they talk about how this fan base is so much easier on the player than they've experienced elsewhere in New York or Toronto or Edmonton that I just think it's, it's what we hear. It's what we listen to all the time. So sometimes you lose sight of it. But I, yeah. I bet almost and, anywhere you go, yeah. that's what you. And experience. to Ken's point too, the same can be said about officiating. You're like we all, we all, even me. I mean, we all look at everything from a wild lens, and we're like, oh, the wild always get screwed by the, the refs and all that stuff. But you go to, you trust me, you go to any other market, and they're gonna be like, they, they hate, they, they hate the Jets, they hate the Canadians, they hate the Flyers. Question. Okay, so now let's shift the focus here to the southwest. So Arizona. So Phil Kessel was. We know that I know there was a there was an almost done deal here for you know Kessel for Zucker back then. But the, well, were the Wilds just remotely interested in Phil Kessel because they they said there were some teams that were this, interested this year. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. Why? Like like that's the other thing here is like, you know, there's a reason why he wasn't traded. It wasn't what you know what I mean. Like they're just like I heard somebody on the radio saying the Wild should go after Phil Kessel. Like he he does. He's not the same player. This isn't Phil Kessel from ten years ago. You know the other thing is with Phil Kessel is it's sort of like the Keith Yandel thing. He's about to break the record. Well, if you're acquiring Phil Kessel, you don't know if he's gonna if you're gonna want to play him every day, and then you got to deal with that drama. Um, So I just I I I don't think uh, where would he play? I mean you know what I mean. Look at look at this lineup. You have. He's at right wing. Is he playing over Zuccarello? Is he playing over Felino? Is he playing over Fiala? You know, so you're putting him on your fourth line instead of Bukestad or Delorier or Duham or like it, it made absolutely no sense. They they you know maybe a center they had interest in. Um, they you know I think that Bill Guerin accomplished everything he wanted to get at the trade deadline. He wanted to get tougher up front, some sandpaper against Delorier. He wanted to get a big physical defenseman. He gets Middleton. He wanted to get a goaltender. He gets Flurry. And then he obviously made the Joe's trade because into him, you know, like Sturm turned down the contract extension. Sturm's playing pretty well in Colorado, by the way. So, um, but look, he, he turned down the extension. Joe's had some skill sets yep. that Sturm doesn't. Right. And an ability to give you a guy that can, as we saw, when Boldy went down, he could move up in the lineup. And played well. Sturm couldn't do that. Yep, no doubt about it. Anytime we head into the spring season, I'm always reminded of a couple of times where we had to go check out the doctors at TRIA to help keep our kids on the court or on the baseball field and just got tremendous 
work with them. They're so good at what they do. They're the best in the business. And whether you've got a child who's trying to keep his arm in shape to pitch or a daughter who's got ankle issues in basketball, or for me, it was a ACL after a blown out knee on a ski slope. Go check out the doctors at TRIA. They're the best in the business. They'll get you back as fast as possible. The Shira family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. If you have a question, come on up if you can, just because uh, Brandon can't. As we learned last week, Brandon, when the mics aren't working, right. uh, they don't work. By the way, I have a, I have a, so if you listen to last week's podcast, it was a bit of a cluster, you know what? And uh, I blamed Anthony for it, and then I turned on the mic the, yesterday, and I sort of realized that I might have been the one that messed up. I, so we were doing it under this awning at the Country Music Hall of Fame, and it started essentially raining on my computer and the thing. So I turned the Zoom recorder that I was using like this, and I must have turned off your folder. So, but yeah, right, I, had, I knew but, what you were after. Yeah, just... But I, but I had fun blaming Anthony that he turned off the mic, and then Brandon, who's the technical wizard of the show, kind of let me know like there's no possible way that's actually true. So, <laughs> <laughs> like when he got the files, he realized like there's no way Anthony's mic was off because. Uh, so anyway, my fault. That last week's podcast, it's like what we say when it's a bad article. There's always a new article coming the next day. Just forget about it. Last week's podcast is going into the garbage pal. So there uh, we go. So Dean says Dumba's not close. But it was our most popular podcast ever because you were last silent for the last yeah, 25 yeah, minutes. I bet. Uh, so. Dean says Dumba's not close. How do you guys, in your experience, interpret that? Uh, I don't think he's close. I mean, he's skating to keep his fitness, but he had an injury that, without giving it away, um, I, I, I just think that it's going to need time. But when they see that it was better than expected, I think they just realize that he doesn't need surgery. Um, so but, he'll play before the playoffs? or uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it could be a yeah, while. They okay. might be careful with this one. Gotcha. Um, and then you mentioned Coyle in Boston. I'm just curious if you guys think he's in line for the C there. Um, when Bergeron leaves? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, Charlie McAvoy, McAvoy probably yeah. is the, is the yeah. logical choice. But it's crazy the the role he's taken out there and it plays like a leader, but I think McAvoy is probably the guy next. Yep. I'm going to keep piggybacking off okay, other people's questions. Two football. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yep. No, I know we had, we talked to him. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I made that mistake. I listened to his answer last time. You didn't. Yep. He's a star wide receiver <laughs> for Burnsville. I I'm actually aware. went to one of his games right. this year until it, I didn't see him play, but I heard the stories. He had like a 90-something yard reception in that game for a touchdown. uh, Where was that? That was was, uh, uh, Cottage Grove. Yeah, Park High School. Um, I'm going to keep bouncing off other people's questions. So Arizona's playing at Arizona State's new arena. Are you going to call those games from the X, or are you going to go out there and experience those <laughs> luxurious... Are you going to sit on the roof? <laughs> oh, it'll be back, throwback to the old days of covering high school hockey. I'll call the game from like the eighth row of the bleachers <laughs> at Aldrich Arena. And yeah, it'll be interesting. They do have it, a press box there. I've made sure of that. I've uh, asked. 
Well, I mean, not even every NHL rink has a press box. Yeah, we that's sit out true. in the crowd in Nashville. Yeah, it's, that's that's true. It's crazy. Do, do we have another game? Does Arizona come here this year? Or or no? I can't. One more yeah, time. One more yeah, game, one right? Time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh I I had this like back when they played at America West Arena, they've always had those issues there. You know, like the America West Arena in the end zone you couldn't see down on the ice. And so they basically didn't fill then. And then, so the press box, it was one of the great sight lines in all of hockey. We were in the lower bowl, right in the seats. But when a goal happened, the row in front of you would turn around and take your television and turn it toward them. And I'm like, "Uh, excuse me, I know you spent freaking 150 bucks for that (laughs) ticket, but that's my television. So uh, I I used to, like Arizona, I don't know. That that, that market, it's just, uh, (laughs) but... I'm all for continuing to go there. I love those places. I love going there. I mean, when you're a hockey writer in Minnesota, uh, somebody actually asked me recently, I've probably said this on the podcast, but somebody has asked me, like, how come no writers ever go after Bettman for, like, for, like, um, for, like, you know, basically being unrelenting when it comes to this market? And I'm like, well, the, right, there are writers that go after him, but they're not the ones that travel there. The beat writers that travel there, like, they're, we're, like, super silent on that. Let's keep them there. I'd rather go there. April 25th. Is the next time we're at Tuttle's. Um, hopefully the weather outside is terrible, so we pack this joint. And we've got next week's show from Montreal. Is that right? No, I we're going to do well, it the morning, that, the night that I get back from Montreal, that we okay. both get back uh, before the Vancouver game. Um, right. So we'll sip some French wine, perhaps, yes, during that exactly. show. Yes, exactly. So thanks, everybody, for coming out here again April 25th. I'm really, really thank, uh, thankful to uh, Royal uh Royal Credit Union for uh, sponsoring the show. They're our newest, newest sponsors. Um, Tria, Kowalski's, Profile by Sanford, <laughs> Aquarius, Christendal Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, and Minnesota Probate Association. Thanks, Anthony, for coming out. Absolutely. Thank Round you guys for coming. For Anthony. Yep. Thank you guys. So much coming out, there's nothing going But I had fun blaming Anthony that he turned off the mic. And then Brandon, who's the technical wizard of the show, kind of let me know, like, there's no possible way that's actually true.